boop, boop. Did you hear that? Yep. <clears throat> Wait, you heard that? Yes. How did you hear that? It's probably your headphones are really loud. Oh, yeah, it's probably that. Because, God, I got blasted by a click track there just a second ago. <laughs> um, okay. Speaking of click track, Zach, where's that um, intro track? I told you I had way too much stuff to do this week, and you said this was going to be an easy week for you. You didn't have anything to do, so oh. we had talked about you actually knocking it out this week. So. I think I think we did talk about that, but uh turns out I was really busy, and I... Uh, I just, uh, I just couldn't do it. Damn it! So people are gonna get mad, man. People are gonna stop listening and watching to us, watching us because of the lack of leadership on our part for the community here that we're building. I, I do my Mythos Monday live streams, and I used a Peter Honore like Anderton's backing track, and some people genuinely thought like, hey. You had time to make a track for this, but not for the... Like, no, I didn't make that. Pete emailed hey, it to man. me. Hey, man, get your priorities right. No, I, I legitimately... I Oh, my gosh, this week was just... It was it was so crazy. It was so crazy with... Because now... now okay, this has been the saga of the delay pedals. Uh, now I have everything, and I'm gearing yep. up for the launch. And it's just been like all hands on deck building these. And by that, I mean me. And yeah. Uh, yeah, so no, if I said that, I must have been sleep talking. I think I think the uh, the community now probably thinks that all, maybe we're just lying, that we actually don't do anything during the week, but we come on here and just be like, oh my God, my week was so crazy. Blah, oh God, so much going on. Blah. And really, we're just sitting around like playing Xbox or something. Mm-hmm. We don't even own um, Xboxes. No. No, we, have we both have PS5s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm ex- I got my PS5 this week, and I'm really excited. I uh, This is the first game console I've had since I was 19. Had an Xbox 360. Yeah, so you I'm haven't back had, in the game. You haven't had anything since then? Oh, the Switch. I, I got oh, a Switch last right. year, but I barely played the Switch. Um, so, yeah, that's honestly, genuinely, all joking aside, this week was abnormally crazy uh tilly and i are leaving tomorrow which is sunday um for kansas city for 10 days there's a big project that we're doing with uh a large pedal company based in kansas city mm-hmm. i guess i can talk about it they announced it right yesterday did you see that they said showed a teaser yes yes okay so by the time this comes out they will have announced it and if not i'm sorry josh i'm blowing the cover jhs pedals the musical um been working on this for about a month or so now, maybe even six weeks. So uh, Tilly and I are going to be part of it. Really excited. I think it's it's a ridiculous idea. I think it's a crazy idea. <laughs> uh, Josh first uh, pitched it to me like a month and a half ago. And I just, the way he described it, total he totally sold me on it. It was, I, I got got. I got had. And I was like, yes, I'll do it. And committed to 10 days in Kansas City. Uh, to go work on this thing, so yeah, I um, I was talking to Morgan about it, and she was like, "That seems odd." And I said, "Just imagine." And what's funny is like this: I said, "Just imagine Hamilton with guitar pedals," and that's exactly what I will tell you. I will tell you. It's so when when because they announced it yesterday, and I was reading the comments. People were like, "Oh, this is so cringy. This is going to be so lame, or whatever." Some people were saying that. Some people were really excited. When I tell you that this is a musical in 
every way, shape, and form. This is a, it's going to be a Broadway musical. <laughs> Just whatever that means to you, JHS doesn't half-ass anything. If no. they're going to do something, they do it. And and this is, that's that's why I agreed to do it, is when he, when he told me everything they're doing for it, and I was like, okay, I, I got to be a part of this. Even if it, even if it flops, I, I want to be there. I want to be a part of this. This is going to yeah. be really cool. So, yeah, I'm excited. If it's if it's half as good as Hamilton, I'm I'm in. <laughs> well, okay. Well, let's be <laughs> let's let's not compare this to like the best musical of the last you know decade or whatever. But <laughs> where I set the bar now. Hey man, it um, ain't Hamilton. I ain't watching. Episode twenty eight. Here we are. We made it. We've done it. Look at us. Every week. Every week. Wow. Uh, Oh, but next uh, week, it's going to be interesting to see how we pull off next week. Um, right. It might be a so remote session. It might be a remote session. It may. Someone said, hey, you should just go have a dipped in tone with with Matthew from Novo or RJ or something. And I was like, we could know, do a fill in. If I'm, if I'm unavailable, you can just have Matthew do it. You're going to be out in the middle middle of America with with, you know, terrible Wi-Fi connection or something. So we may have to, <laughs> you know. That is definitely the East Coast view of Kansas. It's like, oh, isn't it just corn and cows? The whole yeah, they, the whole state? They have some barbecue in it somewhere, but I don't think Hey. You know what? I actually I've been to Kansas City a few times. I really like Kansas City. Um it's a great place. I've had a good time every time I've been there, and I'm anticipating another good time here. Mm-hmm. So there we go. That's our weeks. That's what's uh-huh. coming up next week. Yep. Uh-huh. Yep. 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 So uh, hey, you got a you got a rig to dip? I got I got I got one right here. Let's see. Yeah. Let me drop it in the. If you're new here, oh hey, by the way, shout out. We hit five thousand subs on uh, YouTube. Thank you guys. Thank you. That is amazing. Really, it's, really proud. Uh, it's it's very exciting. Um, what's funny though is is I watch it pretty religiously, and you can see mm-hmm. when you're at this point, you can see the fluctuation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like, mm-hmm. hey, we hit it. Oh nope, nope, nope. Yep. We lost some. Wait. Yep. <laughs> Yep, this is the um the the tale of YouTube, you know. When you're below 10,000 subs, you're in that category where it's like, "Yes, I got 4 subscribers today. Oh, I lost 7 today. Oh, I got 10 today. Huge day, you know." Yep. But it it's the it's tale of uh tale as old as time, as they That's say. That's it. Man, pretty my, sure this uh, was in the Bible somewhere about how to grow I, a YouTube. Channel. I think so. Um it's in Galatians, I think. Anyway, yeah. rig to dip. For our Patreons, for our lovely Patreons, Brian Scott uh, sent this rig. He lives in Calgary, and nice. he's got quite the rig here. The pictures are on uh, on the Discord chat. If you're a Patreon supporter, you can join us on Discord chat with us live. It's a whole thing, but it's it looks like it's in, it, right by the kitchen, which which I yep. love. That's a good place for all your guitar stuff. Right. And he's got. Let's run through the setup. He's got a Les Paul standard tuned to C standard. Yes. Nice. A, nice. A Chapman ML3 Bia tuned to drop B. Yes. Nice. A, uh, a Seagull 12 string that's tuned to half step down. Yes. <laughs> so, no standard tuning no, guitars no. here. Cool. No time for standard. Uh, he's got an orange OR15 into a Fender 4x12. It looks like a Mustang 4x12. It has that little mm-hmm. slanted top. And then uh, the Victoria Ivy League, which, Ivy League, which yeah. is like a Harvard, which mm-hmm. is... Uh, I can't remember if the Harvard is the smaller brother to the Princeton, but... Uh, I don't know. One of those collegiate amps. And then for the pedals, he's got a Mr. Black Supermoon, a carbon copy, a uh, JHS honey, Honeycomb, 
an Olympus, Olympus, a Mythos Olympus to push the orange, a Mr. Black Thunderclaw, which is like a gnarly fuzz thing, and then a Hendrix uh, Octavio, the Dunlop. Um, Dude. And yeah, pretty straightforward. I bet those fuzzes through that Victoria sound biblical. Oh, I, yeah, I bet. especially tuned down. Oh, my God. Yes. This is cool. This is a really cool rig. All right, so let's start with the guitars. Pretty uh, pretty straight ahead with the Les Paul there. Dig it. You know, yeah. the the C standard. Uh, I want to know more about that. So string gauge, did he did he mention anything about that? N- Going no. down to C standard? Mm-hmm. I mean, I imagine you got to bump your string gauge up a little bit to make that Yeah, feasible. I mean, my, on, on the, the Schecter, I put, you know, 11 to 54, and it's it's tuned to C sharp. C sharp. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it doesn't, I, I was worried it would be too floppy. So I think Joey Landreth has kind of shocked us into believing that if you're going to tune to C, you have to have like a, uh, a 16 gauge like high string or something but mm-hmm. i think you can get away with it with probably like 11s or 12s depending on the low strings yeah 11s might be a little light i feel like yeah i think i think you got to be in 12 to 13 category um i mean you could do it with 11s it would just be slanky real slanky which maybe that's what you're into i don't well, know i mean like this this thing i mean granted it's half step up half half step I mean, it feels really tight. Um, and so what's on there right now? You said eleven to fifty-four. Mm. Okay. All right. I don't know. It feels okay, but but I, the heavier the string for that lower tuning, the the because the thing that a lot of people I don't think realize is that it doesn't because you've tuned so low. Even though you have this like crazy big gauge, it doesn't feel it, like the t- it's it's looser because of the lower tuning. So it all kind of right. balances out. The the Patreon chat is on fire today. People, are, it's by the kitchen for when you need need to cook up some tasty licks, sugar tooth. <laughs> um, let me see here, uh, Hecatron. That's some doom ass doom shit right there. <laughs> it is <laughs> totally agree. So let's talk to the the pedal board here. Um, man, Olympus self shill. Is that why you picked this? <laughs> no, no, I picked it because it was the first email I saw, and I was like, this is interesting, and it just <laughs> sure. so happened to have a Mythos pedal on. <sighs> Hey, look, chances story, are, if, if people watch the, the podcast or listen to the podcast, they know who I am, they know who you are, and there's going to be some gear crossover in that room. I'm going straight to the gear page to start a thread about how you're just a, <laughs> a shameless uh, self-shill here. Um, no, I, I really like the Olympus. Really killer. The Honeycomb, the JHS Honeycomb, did they still make that? No. So I didn't think so. They replaced what? that with the, the little mini Tidewater. Oh, right. But, but the honeycomb is essentially a trim that has uh, two a selectable speed, so you can go yeah. between the green or the red knob there. I feel like uh, tremolo is one of those effects. I, I absolutely love it. I love using it all the time. I feel like a lot of people pass up on the tremolo because they think, well, oh, I don't need my amp to go whoa, 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 whoa. But right. you can do so many cool things with the tremolo, especially like a harmonic trim versus an optical trim like they're just different things i think everyone should have a tremolo on their board incredibly useful they're not crazy money if your amp doesn't have one on you can you know you can do it with all kinds of stuff right um you can put it in different places in your chain to do different things like you could if you want to do like a real fender style tremolo let's say you have a reverb a spring reverb pedal on your board or something put the tremolo after the reverb so if you have a big washy reverb sound as that reverb trail goes on it's actually the tremolo is modulating the reverb like a fender amp i like using uh, tremolos and even like a univibe 
if they have yeah. a volume control early in the chain and set mm-hmm. the speed and the depth, set the depth just like where you can kind of feel it and the speed really slow and then use it as a boost. Yeah. Because then it's like, it has this like warm, warm, warm. Yeah, thing it's cool. I love doing that. I love tremolos. I uh, uh, self shill here on my HX effects, or sorry, my Helix presets uh, for sailorretchel.com. Um, anytime I use a, a tremolo block, I always put it after the reverb. Um, and then what I'll usually do, um, little hack, if you're trying to do a Fender style setup in your modeler where you've got the different blocks, you do your amp block. And then in between your amp block and your cab block, you do a, a reverb, spring reverb block, and then you do your tremolo. And then that essentially is emulating a Fender style amp circuit where you've got the amp going into the reverb, then the tremolo, then the speaker. Yeah. And so you can get a really cool Fender style, uh, you know, deluxe or super kind of sound that way. Yeah, that, that that's a good way to do it. I think uh, sometimes... We, if you're using those things, you just automatically want to go to the amp and cab in one block because to save mm-hmm. the space. But it's you can there's so much more flexibility when you break it up and put effects in there. Yeah, you can also kind of build it in as an as an effects loop. Essentially, yeah. you could you know if you have because uh, that's almost what you're doing. Now, not truly because it's it's technically happening after like the power amp section of the block, but it still kind of has a similar effect. So if you've got a really heavy gain amp sound and you want your delays to be crystal clear, but you still want them to go through the speaker sound like it would be in a real amp you can do it that way too yeah so what else we got on this pedal board we got the thunderclaw which i'm mm-hmm. i remember rob chapman used to like really love this thing and, and featured it a lot on anderton's never played day. one i yeah. haven't either I, i've never i've never i don't think i've ever played a mr black pedal i don't have i haven't either actually yeah which is a shame because i've heard good things mm-hmm. um the octavia love it I like the small box um, Octavia. Yeah, I think they did a really good job with that circuit, from what I understand. Um, well, I mean, like they made that the OG looking cheese wedge Octavio, mm-hmm. and, and that circuit board. Like, there's no reason for that box to be that big. So yeah, it's just um, impractical, really. It is. I mean, I, 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 I'm all about those sort of things, though. You know, it's like the goofy big box to me. Right. It's it's fun. It's why I like guitar pedals, but. Yeah, I, I think they did a great job with that Hendrix series. Um, and then it just has the classic carbon copy and a Supermoon, which right. I think is more of like a shimmery verb. I think more like he I said so. he uses it for ambient stuff. So let's talk about that Victoria. You're yeah. a Victoria man. Mm-hmm. How do you, uh, have you ever played the, the Ivy or the, um, uh, not the Ivy League, it's called the, is this called the Ivy League, right? Yeah, I think so. That's yes. right. Yeah. I, I haven't. I've heard original Harvard's like Fender you know, Harvard's, um, but I've never played this one, but people often like, cause they know I have a Victoria. They ask me about all of them. <laughs> I haven't played all of them, but I will say every one I've played has been great. Yeah. So, uh, I'm sure it's awesome because what they do, they don't just make like a, a note for note replica of these amps. They, they, they improve them. Right. And, I mean, I'm sure they do just straight ahead replicas. Uh, you know, I'm sure they do that. But like, the, he he is he's. I I don't really I don't even know much about the Victoria, like builders, the people who own this company. But I right. I know that every single one of their amps is just top notch, superb. And so, mm-hmm. the, uh, let's look up how much how much how many watts is this thing? Because it looks well, like he's got Harvard, two low watt uh, amps here. Well, the 15 OR 15. I mean. I, I could see 15 watts being like low wattage, and I made a video about that, like best home amps. 
mm-hmm. and I set my limit at 15 watts. But I mean, if you've ever played a Tweed Deluxe, it's a loud amp. <laughs> yeah, you know, and that's like what 12 watts technically, something like that. Uh, yeah, 12, 13, something like that. So it looks like the Victoria Ivy League, um, depending on which model, because uh, there's a few different speaker iterations, but there, at 14 or 7, there's a half power switch. Got it. And okay. I think the original yes. was more around like the 7 to 10 watt range. I think it was smaller yeah. than a Princeton. Listen, man, I'm a, I'm a big proponent of the small amps for recording, playing at home, because under a microphone, they sound big. Yeah. You can't, you can't tell. And if you're hitting it with one of those, those fuzzes there on the board, or you're hitting it with a boost or something like that, you can get big, big tones out of a small, usable, practical little amplifier. You know, um, I just did uh, the, the high watt video this week, and I, I had I was borrowing the um, the fifty, the DR five hundred four, the fifty mm. watt, and I have my two twelve high watt cab um, that I did get from high watt for free. But so it's the two twelve with the fanes, and I have it run out in the live room and I have my setup in here so I can have the amps in here and the live room in there and then be monitoring the, the mics and everything. And I had it set up on a clean setting. Like it, I wasn't pushing the amp super hard and I walked out and hit like a big open E chord and was like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> like 50 Watts through a 212. It's, it sounded unbelievable. My God, it sounded so good. Well, they, but it's you can't you just unless you have a space like a dedicated space at home you know even in the basement here like i if people are home i can't i can't play that amp i can't no. do that stuff so small amps man you can push them you can get the sound you can do the thing and uh you know you're not gonna peel the paint off your walls yeah and the difference between a 50 and 100 watt amp is only like three decibels or something it's not yeah it's more about the headroom and the feel of it uh, I really, really want the the DR one hundred three. That's uh, the, that's the app, right? Yeah, that's that's the one. That's the one. I have the custom twenty um, that they Highwatt gave me uh, in twenty nineteen, and I love that amp. But it's not. I love what it does, but that doesn't do the high watt thing. The high right. watt thing is a different. Um, another self shill. You can watch my video. What does the high watt <laughs> sound? I just put it out yesterday. You don't even have to listen to him talk. You can just go. You can go listen to me talk in another yeah. video. <laughs> just go listen to him there. Um, what do you think about the orange AR or AR fifteen OR the AR fifteen? I have not played the OR fifteen. The modern orange stuff is is cool. Um, it's a little bit hit or miss for me. Mm-hmm. So my orange is the you can't see it in this shot, but the the eighty thirty single channel eighty thirty. Love that amp. From, oh my god, um, I've I've talked to the people at Orange and like, hey, make this amp again because the modern eighty thirty they do is different. It's not the same right. circuit. Um, that's from the Gibson era, late nineties Orange. Unbelievable. It's like an AC thirty on steroids, basically. Way more gain than an AC thirty. Uh, the OR series, I think they're cool. I, I don't know. I, I just don't have a lot of experience with them. Yeah, I, I've never played in the lower wattage ones. I've only played, I've played the AD series, like the 30, uh, the single channel one, which I think is the best. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I've played some of the higher wattage orange, which that's a whole different experience. But with the smaller ones, I've only played like the, um, the, the, the rocker 50, or uh, mm-hmm. I've played a rocker verb 50, but what was the, what's the little, the lunch, the thing that like started the lunchbox? Oh, the terror? The tiny terror. terror. Yeah, the tiny yeah, terror. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've played those, and those to me right. are like hit or miss. Sometimes they're great, but I do think these OR series, those smaller heads, are, are a little more 
aimed towards guys like us because I feel like the tiny terror is just for cranking and, and rocking out. Yeah. 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 Well, and, and the cool thing is, is like they are practical, right? Because yeah. you can, you can run them at low wattage. You can, you can, so they're really cool amps to gig with, to, you know, use at rehearsals or stuff. They're not, they're not a lot of money. Um, especially used. I think there's, there's a lot of them cause they've been out for what, like 10 years or plus oh, now or something like that probably longer than that yeah so there's a lot of them floating around used i think they're a cool option you know is it gonna sound like when you think about the orange sound it, it doesn't sound like uh you know the, like the original stuff from the late 60s and the 70s those sure. are that's just a different different thing yeah um all together well i like both this these these amps and and having uh, the fact that he has a head and a and a combo i mean mm-hmm. and, and that cab i like I've, I've wanted to get back into having some amp heads because i like having the flexibility of playing with different cabinets yeah uh, i just don't have the luxury there, of space i'm a pro for me I'm, i always prefer head and cab over combo yeah always um i think it's more practical and you, you have more flexibility. Yeah. You have a couple different cabs, a couple different heads. It's easier for recording too, for what I do. Like I said, I have all my heads pretty much in here and then I can run them out to any different cabinet in there, set them up on some mics or use the capture X or something like that. Um, it's just, you can do that with a cabinet or sorry, a combo too, which is more difficult. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I used to uh, have a Dr. Z Carmen Gia and I had a head shell and I found someone selling a cabinet and that was kind of cool because it was just four bolts. You pulled the amp out and put it in the combo and mm-hmm. I could do what I needed to do when, back when I used to gig. But that two rock that I'm getting the Bloomfield, um, mm-hmm. I am getting that as a combo just because I, I think it makes the most sense for where I'm at right now. Sure. I, I want to take my Mojo tone tweed and put it in a head shell. I think and I want to mod it too. Um, yeah. Yeah, did that? What did the tubes go down? It may yeah. not. Well, it may not fit easy. They make the people Mojo Mojoton makes a head shell for it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's kind of goofy looking. It's like real tall. Right. It look, <laughs> so okay, it looks big, like a it looks like a reverb or something. Yeah, it looks like a reverb tank basically, yeah. or it looks like the amp just cut in half. Uh, but I want to yeah, I want to put that in a head shell and then take its cabinet and just use it as like a one twelve extension cabinet kind of thing. Sure. Um, well, let's talk about these guitars because we we didn't really do that. Uh, we talked a little bit about the tuning. We talked a little less, Paul. What's what though? The Chapman though. You know, I've never played a Chapman. They're they're cool. So I think they're made. I'm not well. I think they've changed factories a few times, but they're they're on. One of my lights just died. <laughs> they're <laughs> on league with um, with uh, Schecters and stuff. You know, they're made right. uh, in those same factories, and you know, they're really nice. Uh, the the Bia is is pretty interesting. So it's just a T style. Sure. Um, I, I don't know. If that's is that Rabia Massad's yes. signature? Okay. So I don't know if, if that's the baritone version or not, but they're really cool. Um, well-made guitars. And then the, I, the seagulls. I like the look. Awesome. Yeah, they yeah, look seagulls, seagulls are great. Like, really, really solid acoustics, man. I, I really like the seagull stuff. Um, yeah. I mean, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> all right, done. There, there it is. <laughs> Overall, all right, rating-wise, for me, it's major points for the Harvard love, love that amp. I also really love the pedal board setup. It's simple. You've got some really cool bases covered. The only thing I might would add, does the Victoria have reverb? I don't think it does. No, it's just volume and tone. I think. Yeah. I I would add a reverb personally. Well, he's got the super moon, but you mean more of like a traditional reverb? Yeah. I'd add like a spring style thing for that to go on that fender. Um, so, you know, maybe like a true spring from, um, 
uh, uh, Source Audio or a Flint or what was that Boeing pedal? Who made that? Oh, the J Rocket. J Rocket Boeing. Yeah, that, those that, are good. That pedal's really cool. I, that's like about as complicated as I want to get on a spring. It's just pedal. one knob. Yeah, it's just it's just like a fender. More? Yeah, yeah, or less. Um, so that's my, that's all I would do. Uh, I'm gonna give this one. Um, you know, and guitar wise, I feel like you 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 need one guitar in standard. I, I just feel like you need one guitar in standard. So I, I would probably add that. I'm gonna Perfect. give this one seven point seven six shoils out of ten. <laughs> I play bass. Hope you're making 7. notes. Seven point seven six shoils. I yeah. um, I agree. Maybe 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 just go E flat. You know. Yeah. Okay. That's a compromise. Yeah. It's fine. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I I think that whole rig is great. I was I was thinking eight. I think it's a solid eight. Um, okay, we're not far off. H, yeah, eight shoils. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Not bad. There you go. So yeah, if you guys want to submit your rigs rigs to be dipped, uh, email us at the link down below. You have to be a patron to to yeah. do it. So sign up for our Patreon. Have we added a second tier yet? <laughs> no, because that that merch thing was a bust, and uh, we got to figure whoa. it out. If if you if you guys listening on YouTube or, um, or you know, or just our emails findable, uh, shoot us a suggestion about what you think the next tier should be. Because mm. the problem that Rhett and I have is if we if we add more tiers, we 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 got to make it something that we could probably schedule really easily. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, uh, we're just so busy. You know. We're yeah, you so know busy. us. We don't have enough to do as it is right now. So no. um, let's just add another thing, man. Come on, just do it. Do it all. Yeah, just let us know what you want uh, within reason, you know. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to uh, start an OnlyFans. Maybe for like a $10,000 a month tier, we'll come do the podcast at your house. Oh, yeah. Yeah, mask up and we'll show up. There you go. Yeah, mask up, show up. There it is. <laughs> All right, hey, so what's the topic this week? You said you had something. You had to go get some notes. What are we talking about? Well, I, don't I, even text, know. I text you and you didn't respond, so. When did, when did you text me? The other day. Okay, well, that's why. I was like buried in... Uh, <sighs> I tried. I had to make like four videos this week to bank ahead. It, it's all it's good. A, it's okay. I'm not mad, mad at you. Don't be mad. <laughs> so, I don't want you to yell at me like you just did with Fraser, man. <laughs> man. Hey! Hey! Um, <laughs> I'm trying to save a picture from Instagram. Chivalry Mario sent me a an image that further like solidified what it is I want to talk about. I want to talk about, because I don't think we've ever spoken about this, relics. What makes mm. them good? What makes them bad? And, oh, I love this. You know, wh- where do you stand on it? I know that we both have really yep. guitars, but um, I'm going to get this into the Discord chat because... Oh, I can't wait. Mario I can't sent me wait. this, and I was like, yo. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. I have a stance on this, and I just well, just give me... I, I want all the hate in the comments. Just give it to me. I want to hear it. I, I'm going to... Yes. Okay. Well, while everyone while has an opinion on this, this yes. is going to be fun. While I'm uploading this, why don't you tell the people at home, what is a relic guitar? Okay. So a relic guitar, if you're not familiar, essentially it's a brand new guitar that was made to look and feel like an old guitar. Now a relic is not, relicking is not even across the board. Okay. Yeah. Some companies, some builders do it really, really well. And some companies and some builders do it horribly. Yes. And I have some opinions. 
I'm trying to decide whether or not I should share them or not in terms of who I think does it really well and who I think does it poorly. Right. Um, because there it, are some. It's fine to say who does it well. <laughs> yeah, there's some there's some relatively popular companies out there that build guitars that I think do horrible relics. Nice. Um, so much so that they like distract me from actually playing the guitar. But um, okay, so that's that's essentially relicking. Now, the the lifelong debate that exists online and will exist forever is: Are relicking is a relic guitar? a good thing or are you an idiot for buying something spending three thousand dollars on a guitar that's already beat up and worn in and all that kind of stuff sure where do you stand on it okay for me i when when it's done well i like relic guitars because uh for two for two reasons a they they feel more comfortable to play i think most of the time as long as it's not distracting you Mm -hmm. and b you don't have to worry about it as much i've bought beautiful brand new guitars and smack the shit out of them after having them for a day and your heart just mm-hmm. sinks. But with a relic guitar, it's kind of like, uh, you know, but the, the, the feeling comfortable and feeling right at home, I think is the biggest thing. And I think ultimately that's, that's the, the decision that most people make once they actually get their hands on a good relic guitar. Yes. I love relic guitars. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. So long as it's done well, yeah. And by done well, I don't mean that it's the most, it's like perfectly historically accurate and it's like exactly how, where this wear would have happened. And it's done tastefully. And I, for two reasons. One, it makes me feel really comfortable with the guitar. I'm sure. not precious with my guitars. I don't clean them. I don't, I don't like wipe down the fretboards. I might oil the fretboards once every six months or something like that. Um, when I put them in off the rack, I'm, I'm constantly knocking them into one another and dinging them and stuff. That's just how I am. They're my guitars. Okay. You can, you can, if, if that upsets you, sorry, yeah. my, they're my guitars. Um, when I take them on the road, they're in and out of cases all the time. People are knocking them, you know, bumping into them and stuff. So for me, a relic guitar is something that I'm not precious about guitars anyways to begin with. Um, but with having the relic job, it's like, it just doesn't, it doesn't matter. The second thing. And the more important thing for me is I like the way they feel when they're done. Well, um, I think to me, my favorite, my favorite relicking or aging is what Dennis Fano does at Novo. I think what Dennis does, whether or not it's the most historically accurate thing or not, I love the look of the Novo relics and before that, the old Fano stuff, and I love the way they feel. Yeah, they play incredibly well, and that aging process is part of the feel of the Novo. One hundred percent, and uh, I feel lucky because you know Dennis now is so busy because he's mainly mm-hmm. doing the signature stuff only. I think, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, here, I'll, let me grab my uh, solace. Right. So my my gold TCS, he did the relicking on it. Yeah. Um, but my my solace, the team did, and right. um, that th- both are great. But yeah. but there is something special to what how Dennis does it, right? So the next thing I wanted to touch on. Oh, go well, ahead. So this yeah, is let's before we move on from that. So this is my solace. Um, this is a Dennis relic job, and I think this is done really, really, really well. It's tasteful. It adds to the look of the guitar. It adds to the feel. 
and I think the wear is is pretty accurate where this guitar would naturally age. The other thing is the the finish on this is really thin. Yeah. So it's going to continue to age the more that I play it. Um, the back of the neck is, you know, you can tell it's been lacquered, but then they wear the lacquer away into the playing surface. And this is such a comfortable neck to play. It's so smooth. It feels great. Um, and then, I mean, it just, it just looks right. I, I think this is a, a really, really great job. Same thing with my, my Saris J, my pink one. That's a Dennis relic as well. Yeah. And, you know, I know that I've added to that wear and tear because I've played it for five years at this point, but you know, whatever. Well, that brings me to, into the next thing. What makes the relic look real and what makes it look fake? So before we get into that, please scroll up to the discord and find the guitar I posted. Yes, I, I did. I saw okay. that. That that's so that's awful. A, that's a brand awful. that people pay money for. Uh, you know, it's not, this wasn't just nobody making it. This is a reputable brand. Uh, yep. I won't name it, but I think that's the brand I'm thinking about too. It, I, I don't know. I'll ask you afterwards, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's, I, I can, I look at that and that's exactly the brand that I'm thinking of. Yeah. So this guitar, um, I'm trying to pull it up a little bit. The thing about it that, kills me is just how unrealistic the relic is you know yes. like the sunburst finished like the color that people use that's neither here nor there now this is an s style guitar for those listening and it is beat up in such a way that completely looks unrealistic to me it, it's there's no okay so for people that are listening let's describe this so what we have is a pink strat with a maple board okay Great looking guitar. I love pink strats. Um, and it has the typical like arm wear on a strat on the, the arm bevel. Right. But then by the output jack, there's this ridiculous amount of wear for, of the paint where it's down. Half of the jack is basically there's raw wood underneath of it. And the other half of the jack, there's pink. Now, there is no way. If that was so in real life, that would be like a, a custom color, probably maple board. So custom color, late fifties yeah, strat like shell pink. Yes. Yeah. Shell pink, maybe 56, let's say something like that. Mm -hmm. So even if that was a real 56 custom color, maple board strat, there is no way in hell anyone would ever wear near the output jack of the strat like that. There's, there's just, there's no, there's no reason for that to be there other than, I guess, maybe artistic creative reasons. But I th personally, subjectively, I think that looks horrible. Right. And, and the fact is so that like the arm wear is that, that makes a little more sense in the way it's w worn, right? Because mm -hmm. it looks like it's rubbed away, but, but instead of, uh, being rubbed away into the output jack. Cause you're not just down there like holding the guitar. You're trying <laughs> to jam a cable in there. It's going to be chipped and dinged and smacked and yeah. I'll, for the, for the video podcast, I'll try to find some pictures um, because we are so lucky in that we have John Roncolato who works for Carter Vintage Guitars, who takes all these amazing, amazing photos of vintage guitars. And they're all on their, their Instagram. And he's got some incredible pictures. Um, I saved a bunch, but I, if you were here in the beginning, you saw how <laughs> frazzled I was. I don't, I didn't, I didn't prepare. Um, right. But he has all these incredible photos of strats that were just really played. And yeah. they they don't wear like this. And another thing about this guitar, about this pink strat here, that kills me. And it, it it's kind of minor, but from the arm wear, 
all along the top contour of the body, there's like a wear, you know? Right. And it just, it doesn't look like someone played it because, right. you know, your arm sits, you know, on the contour, but everywhere else is going to be picked damage or your hand, like, you know, the side of your thumb or something hitting it. It's not going to be sanded smooth like this. Right. And, and one more thing. Uh, <laughs> this drives me more crazy about anything. And this to me signifies that a guitar is a relic, especially when it has a maple board. All of that wear in the lower cutaway above the pick guard, where your where your you know the the bottom of your left hand would sit. Sure, you'll see a little wear on on vintage guitars there. Maybe there's no money right. up there, so not many people right. <laughs> back in the day were playing up there. But this is a maple fingerboard. If somebody played that guitar enough to wear the finish off the inside of the cutaway, don't you think the nineteenth, the twentieth fret would have Little the little shadow marks all over it, and they don't. Right. They never do. They never. Well, do. And, and we should point out too, we're specifically judging this guitar solely on its appearance. This guitar could be an absolute ringer, right? right? It could be a great weight. It could have great pickups. And in that case, like if I played this guitar, the Strat, and it sounded amazing. I mean, then it's a great guitar. Okay. I want to be clear on that. I don't want to say like, oh, this guitar sucks just because it's got a weird paint job on it. No. It could be a dead ringer. I don't know. We're just simply judging based off the picture and for the discussion at hand, talking about relics. I think that is a poorly done relic for all the same reasons you just said. It, the, the attention to detail, it doesn't, it doesn't work for me. Yeah. It, I think if you, you need to go down the rabbit hole of looking at vintage guitars because there's, there's a couple things. One of the things that I was, I was going to uh, talk about or bring up, and, and this kind of ties into what Dennis does, the wear has to be in authentic spots. It has to look real and it has to tell a story, you know, mm-hmm. uh, like on that strat, for example, all the, the worn finish on the, on the lower section near the output jack, some strats were beat up like that. Some tellies right. are beat up near the output jack cup, but they, most of them aren't, you know? Yeah. And so I feel like it's a more effective way to relic a guitar to have one solid ding there. It looks like, Oh, they, that guitar fell, it hit a, a cymbal stand, you know, it did something like that. Those right. convey more of a message. And just f- beating the hell out of a guitar all willy-nilly, I don't think it, it translates anything into, into the believable spectrum. And it doesn't add anything to the playability of the guitar. So let's talk about relics that we think are really well done. Like Dennis, for example, but let's also talk about like Fender. Got, the Patreon chat right now is talking about Fender stuff. So right. I I think that the Fender Road Worn series are great. They're they're usually tastefully done. It's it's more of like what you would call a journeyman relic, right? Where it's like it, this guitar's been played, but it's been taken care of. That's kind of the idea. I played a handful of those uh, Road Worn guitars, and to me, that aging, um, if you don't like the term relicking, that aging is done well to where it adds to the feel. The guitar feels broken in. Yeah. I like that. I I don't like a brand new guitar with a super like lacquered, you know, uh, back of the neck and and super shiny. I hate chrome hardware. Um, Just in in general, I I can't stand shiny chrome pickup covers and, and all the stuff. So I like, you know, like this guitar, the, the, the hardware is is worn, right? The the yeah. finish is dulled on the ashtray bridge here, right? Like the 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 knobs have been worn a little bit just to kind of take some of that sheen off of it. That's personally what I like. 
And it's done in a way that adds to the playability. Now, you take this over. I'm going to go grab a guitar that I think was not done well aesthetically, but does add to the playability of the guitar. So stand by. Okay. So kicking off like about the, the Roadworn things, like I think Roadworn, they, for, for your entry into that realm of guitar, the, the relic, the worn, the aged guitar, I think they're, they're a great entry point. The thing for me that, that I have a problem with, with the Roan Ward is, is they're so rough. Like the neck is not smooth. And that's the thing. The thing that I think so many players do re- or so many companies do really well is when it, like if you compare a road worn strat to a custom shop strat or a vintage guitar, vintage guitars and the higher end guitars are smoother. Like the, the road worn stuff, while it does look great, I think they always look better after a few years of playing them. And John Gundry of throwback, he has a road worn strat that he put on a polisher Mm. And because, you know, they kind of have that, you know, really dull, you know, satin yeah, finish, right. but he polished the body and the neck just to smooth it up. And he says, it's fantastic. And when you look at it, you're like, oh, that's just a custom shop because yeah. that, that's to, that to me is my biggest gripe. And the thing that most people get wrong, just because, just because a guitar is showing wood doesn't mean it's going to be rough. It's mm. showing wood because your skin or your shirt or whatever wiped it away and it's polishing right. it and it's smooth. Right. Okay. So this is a custom shop ES-335 from Gibson. This mm-hmm. is a 59 custom shop reissue. Uh, it's the Antigua Burst. So it's a really pretty burst. It's like a almost gray kind of burst. Now, this guitar is on loan from Gibson. Long-term loan. I've had it since um, 2019. Um, they loaned it to me to take on tour to the Netherlands because I didn't want to take my 335 and fly with it and everything. So... Um, Big thanks to them for that. I haven't asked for it back. So <laughs> here's a more expensive guitar to fly across the ocean with. Yeah. <laughs> I asked and they said yes. Oh, no, it's so fine. Yeah. I, like, yeah. <laughs> I, I just figured, I mean, the worst they can say is like, no. So, right. um, so this guitar, I think the relic does not look good personally. And here's why. Talk about checking. Mm. Before we, we get into this. So, checking, if you're not familiar, old guitars, vintage guitars were done in lacquer. Uh, nitrocellulose lacquer. Um, a lot of higher-end guitars nowadays are still done in nitro. I don't know uh, the details. I've heard that today's nitro is not the same as the old nitro, and there's a bunch of like voodoo around finishing and all that kind of stuff. We're not going to get into that in this episode. But one of the things that nitro lacquer does over time is check because it, as guitars are made of wood, so in different temperatures, environments, they expand and contract over time, and that causes the finish to crack. As far as I understand it, um, with modern relicking, to get checking on a new guitar, there's two ways to do it. You can do razor blade checking, or you can do freezer checking. Well, yeah. I- well yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's... The, yeah, you or either some do, version of freezer check. Yeah, yeah, some, you right. temperature shock it in some way. Right, right. Temperature cho- shock it with like a air can or even something like that. Yo. Now, this guitar, I'm going to try and get this on camera. This guitar was checked with a razor blade. And the second that I pulled this out of its case, um, I noticed, I was like, oh, that's, that is blatantly obvious. I don't know if you can see, but you see the lines in the finish there? I, I saw some. Especially yeah. around like the horn and everything up here. Mm-hmm. Those are literally cut into the finish by hand with a razor blade. Okay. Now, 
props to the uh oh wait i just lost part of my headphone oh there we go so props to the the person that took the time to do this it doesn't look right and it's distracting to me when i play it specifically around um in fact i'm going to get a picture of this and put it in the the discord so you can see what i'm talking about because you won't be able to see it on camera but where the the neck joins the body mm -hmm. The checking meets at a 90 degree angle. Okay. Oh, now, really? I don't think <laughs> I could be wrong, but maybe it's about the grain of the wood. Do, do old 335s do that? I don't know. But to me, it's a little distracting. But, but this guitar plays and sounds amazing. Right. It, it sounds better than my 335. It plays better than my 335. And so in that case, like, I don't care that the relic looks kind of lame because this guitar sounds great. Yeah. So razor blading, to me, it, it, it can look pretty good. I think Tom Murphy does the best job, but you can't just razor it and then leave it. You know, I think you still Which have is what was done it. here. This, this is very much just like, it looks like it was just razored and then yeah. left. It, like, as far as how... The guitars check in the directions. I've heard a couple of things. I've heard it's the grain of the wood. Uh, flying V's, for example, they check in a, like vintage ones check in a V pattern. So look at the picture I just oh, put I up see in, that, in yeah. Discord. Yeah, that's that pretty looks, distracting. Yeah. But I've also heard that how, how, how they were shot with clear. You know, if, mm. if you shot the guitar left to right, it checks left to right. If you shoot it up and down, it checks, you know, vertically. So yeah. I don't know if that's entirely true, but uh, I've heard that. So. so here's the deal. Like, I, I can't be entirely objective or subjective about this guitar because it's not mine. It's on loan. I didn't pay for this, right? This is, this is you know, a quote-unquote sponsored post, although this would be the worst sponsorship ever. <laughs> like, <laughs> hey, let me, let me talk about this Gibson and how the, the lacquer looks weird on it. My point is that there, there's more to a relic job with guitars than just the aesthetics and how historically accurate it is because to me this accomplishes half of what i like about a relic which is it makes the guitar feel a little bit more broken in the lacquer is is aged is worn in on the back of the neck it, it just makes the guitar feel more comfortable and as such i feel more comfortable playing it now my 335 that i've had for 10 years is was brand new was not aged was not relic but i've played it for 10 years really consistently and i've started to wear some of the finish off the back of the neck and i'm yep. starting to wear because it is lacquer so in 10 years you're going to start to see some wear up on the the upper bout and some things like that and it'll be you know in 20 years it'll be where this guitar is trying to to emulate um and it'll all be from me right and that's that's cool that's one of the arguments against relics people that don't like relics they yeah. like to say well i'll just do it myself which is true in some cases but yeah, it, not always. Th that argument sometimes is moot. Like poly guitars don't relic. They they, chip, they don't they, relic. They chip. They shatter like glass. You know. Yeah. And, and you have to really beat the hell out of them for that to happen. Um, even modern nitro guitars. Like you're right. Uh, what you said earlier about how the modern nitro is different. It is different. Yeah. And it's it's there's more coats. Uh, it's more durable. You know. They they yeah. don't want these things to show up off a cold truck. Someone takes it in their house immediately opens the case and it shatters like glass they, they they sometimes do and that does happen and modern right. guitars definitely check but vintage guitars 
it was much easier. They're much easier for them to check. And the finish was mm-hmm. a lot thinner. Uh, but, but yeah, man, the, uh, <laughs> wait, shoot. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, yeah. So poly polyurethane finishes oh, right. on good on guitars nowadays they don't age no. so and if you're going to try and relic take it from experience your, your old pal Rhett <laughs> taking trying to share some knowledge with you here that he's learned through experience don't try and relic a poly guitar because it won't look good yeah it, and even with a nitro guitar so my like you've had your less or your your 335 for how long how long have you had 10 it? years 10 years has it actually checked? almost to the day i've had it for 10 years has it checked at all no. Okay. No, it hasn't I, at all. I haven't seen many Gibsons that do check. I've seen uh, Rob Pierce says he has a, a 97 American Vintage reissue Strat, and it's checking beautifully. It's crazy. Some of the the, the Nitro Fenders I've seen uh, back when the American Original Series was like like it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, some would come to Carter, and I, they legitimately fooled me. Because, you know, these guitars were being played by touring Nashville Cats, took them all yeah. over the world. And you look at it and be like, oh, this guitar is, you know, old. 50 years old or something. Yeah. Um, it, that argument that I'll do it myself is, it, it's going to take a lot longer than you think to get there. And it might not ever do that yeah. thing. Is the third. If and, you take uh, yeah. care of it, you know, it may never do it. Right. Well, and the checking thing. So the other, the other stuff. So I love checking. I love, one of my favorite things about old guitars, specifically old acoustics, Oh my God, when the top is checked and oh, the back man. and sides are checked, I love the way that looks. I wish it I just, had mine in here. It's awesome. It adds so, yeah, you have a beautiful J50, right? Yeah. I love the way it looks. And so that's why if you're going to check a guitar, Novo, for example, they do freezer checking. If you go to Novo, they have a big floor freezer yeah. that just has like 20 guitar bodies in it. And they just set them in there for I don't know how long a week or something like that and then when they're ready to age it they pull it out and then they just hit it with like a heat gun yeah and it's it it is it is it looks more like natural checking because it basically is natural checking you're just expediting the process by taking it from a really really cold environment and then blasting it with heat and that finish is just splitting apart and it does it spiders in natural ways it follows the grains of the wood and it looks more natural and I love it. So on while you have that Gibson there, the thing about Gibson, because I think the, the custom shop is doing a really good job and they've progressively mm-hmm. got better. And I think that's the one thing about Fender custom shop, Gibson custom shop. If you look at guitars from 10, 20 years ago, uh, I mean, I guess 20 years ago, relicking wasn't as prominent, but 10 years ago, definitely. Mm-hmm. And, and you compare it to the guitars they're putting out now, people, it's a cumulative knowledge base. They've just gotten so much better at it. Yeah, but my biggest gripe with Gibson, Fender does this well. Gibson, I think, still has room to grow in this. Relicking the hardware, mm, mm-hmm. the, you know, and then the plastics. There's yeah. something weird about having a Les Paul that's beat up, and the plastics all shiny. I mean, they You're might right. knock the sheen off of it. Well, the the plastic, so that pit guard, that's all me. Like the scratches and everything on that pit guard. Let's see if I can catch the light here. Like that's me playing this thing for a year and a half. Right. Um, and somebody brought up a good point in the chat that I did not think about. So because this is a loner, Gibson has, with all their guitars, and then Fender has this too, they have a, a an ER, they, they call it ER inventory. It's inner, I don't know what it means, but it's basically they have a, a list of guitars, an inventory of guitars that they will loan out to artists and people that are, and that's what I, I asked them for. I was like, hey, 
I'm, I'm going out to, and I've done this with Fender too, uh, with, with amps. Hey, we're, we're going to be in New York. We're flying in. Can I get two blackface deluxe reissues, you know, because the, the backline company doesn't have them in. And they say, yeah, great. They'll be at the, you know, pick them up here. So that's essentially what this is. And somebody brought up a good point. It's like, well, maybe that this guitar is essentially like a B stock because, you know, they probably wouldn't sell. I have not seen a custom shop in stores with this type of check job on it. And that's a not uh, common and I can't, finish too. Yeah. And I can't imagine that this would have gone out like this. I mean, it does, I don't know, but so maybe that's a thing. This was like, okay, well that doesn't meet our standards or whatever. So that I'll go to the artists. <laughs> right. I don't know. Um, beggars can't be choosers, but, um, yeah, I mean, well, I, forgot, I lost my train of thought. Now. Man, Damn. we're, we're not, all over the place today. It's a Saturday. We're not good today. Um, so I think maybe we're, because we're, we're drawn to a close here. I think the last thing we should probably touch on is who does it best. Who, who mm. do you think really hits the nail on the head? Well, I think there's two categories there. There's historical accuracy, who does it best. And then there is sort of um, maybe not historically accurate, but it's just a really great relic job. We've already talked about Dennis Fano. Yeah. I think he falls in that second category. Who do you think does it best in terms of like, this looks real, you know, this almost fooled me kind of thing? Yeah. uh, Well, you know, the big guy, Fender, I think does the best strat style you know or fender style guitar i think Mm -hmm. they do the best job but someone in the chat brought up alex sorokin oh yeah Uh, and if you don't follow sorokin guitars on instagram you're doing yourself a disservice because he the thing about alex is he makes so few guitars he takes so much time to right relicate you know how a switch tip like on on that guitar les paul they 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 turn an amber yeah, or, this one's kind of no oh shit. I'm not gonna mic here, but <laughs> this one's kind of. Uh, let me see if I can get this on the. Yeah, that's a. Yeah. that's kind of it. It doesn't. It's the wrong color, but <laughs> like vintage ones, they're made of a Catalan rod. It's just this, you know, unique material that they made. And when you polish it, it's white, and UV mm. turns it orange. And so for right. Joey's guitar, he made one, and it was white, and he put it in the windowsill until it turned orange, which took like months. So like that level of, you know, attention to detail is, is something that, that the big boys don't, they don't have the luxury of that time. Well, they don't have the time to do that. They can't do that. Yeah. But you know, I, I think I'm trying to think of someone that really stands out who does a great job. Nacho, who makes Nacho tellies. He made a, he has a telly, uh, Julian Lodge used to play one of his tellies. And I know a couple other dudes that have some, they're pretty awesome. Ooh, pretty awesome. I have one too. It's an acoustic. Now, mm. a lot of people, the acoustics aren't, aren't typically, you don't see a lot of relic or aged acoustics. You're starting to see it more, but it's definitely not. You're starting common. to see it more. Last year, though, or maybe it's 2019, I can't remember. Um, Righteous Guitars had a Huss and Dalton oh. that they ordered, Righteous ordered as an aged guitar. And, and let me tell you, I think that there, there really is some credence to buying a, a relic or aged acoustic specifically if it's been, you know, if it's had the torification, torfaction process done to it, that guitar fooled me. Uh, Having played a few like pre-war Martins, it was like a, it was a basically like a D28. So it was a flat top, you know, um, dreadnought. And dude, it, it sounded like an old one. It sounded like, and it felt like in terms of the resonance and the volume and the response that it sounded like an old dried out 
60-year-old acoustic guitar, and it looked like one. The the relic, the age job on it was incredible. Yeah. Um, and and to me, that and that guitar was like five thousand dollars. It was expensive. That's all. I feel. I thought that would be well, more than that for a Hudson Dalton. Maybe I don't. I don't yeah, know it's in my video. I made a video. Another uh, self shill here. Um, last year it was like finding the perfect acoustic guitar. It's the guitar in that thumbnail. Oh, so okay. if you go back and watch that video, that's that's a guitar that got away from me. Um, I kind of like waffled on it back and forth. I was like, oh, I don't can't spend the money right now. Maybe I could sell some stuff. Maybe I should get it. And then I put the video up and somebody saw the video and bought it. Mm. So I shot myself in the foot and they haven't, I don't think they're going to do another one. I think it was like a one-off type thing, but that guitar and at Summernam last year, Martin oh. did an aged D28 like that. And it was a cannon, dude. D- Martin, Martin's age stuff, which is, is fairly recent yeah. is pretty unbelievable it's yeah there i've played i played the d28 and i played an om28 that was aged and both of them were like okay this feels and sounds like the real thing to me i'm sure if you had both together if you had a real pre-war d28 hundred and something thousand dollar guitar (laughs) versus that you could probably pick out some differences between them in tone and everything but we should picking the aged one up versus a new one off the shelf the age one sounds way better. Are they Torrified? It, are they doing that? I think they are, okay. yeah. I mean, that's a trend. I kind of, I kind of, when I worked at Carter, I was seeing that in real time, like the Torrified acoustics, like really becoming like a prominent thing. And there is something to it, but you know, it's hard to beat Martin. It really is. I mean, Callings, there's all sorts of great acoustic companies and we should have an episode on acoustics. Bourgeois. Yeah. Bourgeois, yeah. Um, but, but man, the, the, the authentic series that Martin makes is it's a killer guitar. So we should ex- quickly explain tour, tour faction, torification. Yeah. Tour faction. Tor- torrified. It's, it's, you're just baking wood essentially. Yeah. So as far as I understand it, if there's any experts watching, please correct me if I'm wrong, but essentially, um, the, there, there is credence to the idea of a vintage guitar sounding better or different than a new guitar in that the wood is aging. And, and as wood ages, it dries out. Specifically, especially like um, acoustic guitars. Yeah. Let's, let's focus on acoustics for now. So as an acoustic guitar ages, um, and I've experienced this with guitars I've had for 10 years. My, my Bourgeois Slope D I bought eight years ago, it sounds different now than it did 10 years ago. Sure. It sounds better now, honestly. And that's part partially due to the wood drying out and what i've heard is that there is still um like sap and and part of the grain structure of the wood as the wood dries out it shrinks that sap crystallizes so you're getting a lighter top as the wood dries out which is resonating more it's moving it takes less energy to move more and so the torrefaction process torrefication process is essentially doing that but faster you're baking the wood in a specific way and i think it's like it's baked in a vacuum or something like that yeah it's not you don't just throw it in an oven and like turn on 400 (laughs) degrees or something no there's like a whole science to it and essentially it's doing what age does dries out the wood crystallizes the sap and and cell structure of the wood to make it lighter and more responsive yeah that that's it and it 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 is pretty incredible when you you know apples to apples compare uh, the same model you know one's torrified and one's not um but it's in acoustic instruments, and I think all guitars change, you know, mm. even electric guitars. I feel like when you get a brand new one, you're playing it, and, and maybe it's a psych, psychosomatic thing, but definitely acoustic guitars, the more you play them, the better they get. 
Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. And, and I saw that in real time work in retail. Like you, you, you get a guitar and you're like, yeah, all right. And then you play it like a couple months later, if it's still there and, and customers have played it and, you know, employees have played it. It's like, wait a minute, this one's starting to wake up. And, and that's yeah. what we always would say like, oh, that acoustics, it's got to wake up. It's almost there. It's got to wake up. Yeah. No, I'm serious. There is something you, if you're, if you're listening to this, like rolling your eyes, like, yeah, whatever, trust dude. I'm, a, I'm as skeptical as they come with a lot of stuff. I'm, right. I'm, skeptical to a fault <laughs> and uh i i'm telling you there's something to it yeah i'm telling you um so yeah i, I think with acoustics i should have bought that hus i should have bought it mm-hmm. it was so good god it was so good it's funny I, i've talked about this a bunch with friends that i i understand the value more in buying i can get by with a cheaper electric guitar but a nicer acoustic guitar mm-hmm. it's it's such a difference it's a yeah there's a thing there's a thing there's a thing there all right cool well there you go i'm pro relic hate me in the con just just give me the hate i want to see it i i am too and (laughs) i think that when it's done well it's it's a special thing and you just got to go play them i think the people that have the most gripe with them just haven't experienced enough good ones so well i think there is there's a legitimate gripe to somebody who just doesn't like a beat-up guitar sure Sure. My grandpa was like this before he passed, you know, when I was getting into guitars and I was like, oh, look at this. This one's cool. He's like, why the hell would you buy a guitar that's already, it's like, that's going and buying a brand new guitar it's or, or a car that's already got 300,000 miles on it. It's beat to shit. <laughs> or beat, like, beat up uh, jeans uh, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, so I, I get it. So for some people, they just don't like it. And I get it. That's totally fair. I like it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's cool. Well, do you have a, a, a shill of the week? Did you pick one out? <sighs> no, Zach, I never, no. I mean, <laughs> Let me just look around. Okay. Well, I have one. Okay. Uh, and uh, you might be su- well, you won't be surprised. I, I'm. I uh, I got this. So I've talked about it, but I finally yeah, got it. Yeah, love it. The royal jelly. And at first, I was like, I don't get it. I don't. I don't know if I. I like was it. not surprised. Hold on. I need to. I need to clue into this. I'm going to put you on blast here. <laughs> Zach doesn't like most things. Okay. Well, I can, I I've known you long enough now. No, not well. Listen, <laughs> I've known you long enough now to know when you get something new, I can almost time it like a day or two later. I'm going to get the I don't like it text. <laughs> and, and I got this from you and I was shocked. I was like, well then send it to me. I, right. I love the Royal jelly. I'll take it. I'll buy it from you. Send it to me. But now you've changed your mind on it. No. Okay. So I think at first I, I, I was playing it with the deluxe really quiet. And well, I, okay. And I think, you know, okay, you know, fair enough. Uh, it, it needs to be played loud. So I, I, yeah. I used it on a live stream uh, uh, last Monday and p- cranked it through. I used the Victoria with the aux and used headphones and it, it did more stuff. Uh, but it, I, this is definitely like Beatronics is not, they don't make tube screamers. <laughs> they don't make boring soft clipping things. They're, they're, they're definitely pushing the envelope as far as, as far as, far as uh, like how an overdrive or a fuzz sounds. And, and at first, yeah, I was like, I don't know. It sounds cool, but it's, it's not really tickling me, but the more I played it, the more I like it. So I'm going to be trying to, and there's the sweetest guys in the world. So, so it tickles your pickle now, huh? It does. Yeah. It's, you know, nice. It, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm dipped in the, the bee honey now. <laughs> All right. We should start a marketing firm. Yeah. Shoyles marketing. Uh, everything's dipped. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dip, It'll be a uh, dipped in voltage dipped, in, <laughs> dipped in cups. Oh God. Okay. I do have one now. Okay. 
All right, so this comes from the camera world. Oh. Now, before you zone out and think, oh, camera boy, whatever, I'm serious. This is one of the best things I think you can buy. And if you don't know about cameras, there's no reason you would ever know about this. Get yourself yeah, a 9-volt battery. Well, uh, there no, it is. I'm, hold on. Sorry. Uh, I just sat this on my MacBook, and it was magnetic. And like I couldn't. Like, uh, that's weird. That seems Now you've dang. ruined your hard drive. Yeah, I know. You <laughs> <go>. <laughs> like, my computer's dead <laughs> after I close it. Anyway, sorry, cameras. All right. My shill of the week friction arms do you know about these oh yeah yeah it's like that's how they made king kong the animatronic (laughs) uh i'm not sure if that's true uh is it i I don't don't know know. okay that doesn't sound right to me (laughs) you don't know shit all right listen this is called a friction arm okay these are really really popular really big with uh the film world um they come in all different shapes, sizes, prices. This is an expensive one. This is like an actual, this one's called uh, Cine Arms. This was like 150 bucks, okay? But I have cheaper ones. This is the Amazon version. These are like $12 on Amazon. So what this is, is an articulating arm that has two attachment points at the end. They basically have these quarter 20 threads on the ends. This one I have attached to a clamp. This one, you can attach a camera. You can, anything that has like a quarter 20 thread on it. You can mm. put an adapter on here. I attach my Zoom H6 to this all the time. And so what it allows you to do is attach things in interesting ways. So I use these things all the time. I've put microphones on these. I use my camera monitor with this. I've put cameras on these. I've, the reason I bought this really expensive one is it'll hold like 15 pounds. This little arm you will clamp it on and it has a really strong cam like clutch mechanism in it. So I can take my full size like DSLR Sony camera. And if I'm in a weird position and I can't fit a tripod or something, I can throw this friction arm on something, lock it down with the camera on there and it can put your camera in weird angles. You can put lights on these. If you're working in your workshop and you need to like try and get a light in a weird position, friction arms, they come in. These are small cause I travel with them a lot. Um, you can get really long ones. You can get really, really strong ones that'll hold like 30, 40 pounds. Those are relatively expensive. But I think this is something that you should have. You could keep one in your guitar case, come up with all kinds of stuff to put to use it for. Um, right. So, yeah, on Amazon, um, these are the, what is this one called? I don't even know. It doesn't even have a brand name yeah, on it. Just, just, oh, oh, um, Fantaseal. <laughs> I love the names of the generic like imported just, stuff on it. Yeah, this is this was some Chinese manufacturing company that like Googled some American term, Fantaseal. Yeah. Um or they used a name generator online or something. Yeah. But so essentially, yeah, you just you log it down, you clamp it to something, you get in pos- whatever position you want, and it has this big um knob here on the end, and then you just lock it down and then it's it's held in place and it doesn't move. And if you need to move it, just unlock it move your thing, lock it back down. Perfect. Friction arms are the shit. I have like five of them and I use them all the time. Nice. Nice. Um, so there you go. Well, cool. That's a, uh, you did your, your Adam Savage bit last week. This is my Adam Savage. Yes. So, um, someone, uh, on, I don't know if it was on YouTube or it was in the chat. They said we're too, Oh, it might've been a Patreon, a patron supporter said, uh, we're too inside baseball. So we need to talk about, stuff that is more maybe outside the realm. I mean, I know that's kind of our thing. We're talking about the industry that we know and we work in, but if you guys have topic ideas, leave them in the chat or shoot us an email, uh, hit us up on discord. No, wait, shit. Hold on. 
We need what more does inside idea. baseball mean? I don't I don't know what inside baseball means. It's like we're just talking about like like the inner workings of it, not just like watching a game, you know. Of 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 base yeah, not baseball. Just, no, but it's just like <laughs> Oh, of just guitar stuff? Like yeah, we're like, too we're like we're too we're talking behind the curtain, the industry stuff oh. and people this guy said maybe we should talk more about the like the you know, viewing it from the perspective of people who don't work in the thing. And oh, that, right. But, okay. I get you know, it. that's kind of our thing. So if you we're have unrelatable, ideas, Zach. I, I know I am. I know uh, I am too. Just shoot us, shoot us ideas. We need more topics because uh, <laughs> what happens is we go to record and we'll be like, did you think of something? I didn't think I have time. I didn't think of anything. <laughs> yeah. What are we talking about? Uh, let's, let's talk about the cables today. I don't know. Yeah. Um, no, that's cool. I get it. Inside baseball. I learned a new term. I don't know shit about sports. Me so. either. But I, f- I figured that one out pretty easily. <laughs> Oh, well, cool. Make me feel real good about myself. Love it. Thank you. Uh, awesome. You're going to go on your trip and be like, oh, Zach was mean to me. <laughs> Random pants. Got it. We're starting a baseball team. Yep. We're going to start Shoyles a Destiny, baseball. Destiny fire team. That's where we're starting. Boom. I, gotta, I, don't even, I don't know shit about Destiny either. I got to learn how to play that game. Yeah, I'm not good at it, so it's okay. Okay, cool. Can I be in the outfield? All right. Uh, Sugar Tooth is outfield. I played left field when I was a kid. I was a and, shortstop, and, and there was no reason for me to be put in such an important position. It was terrible. I, they put me in the worst position because I couldn't play. And then they had the audacity. These these people had the audacity to tell me, like a 13, no, not younger than I was like nine years old, oh, outfield's the most important position. Yeah, <laughs> maybe when you're in the MLB, but when the kid's nine years old and can't hit it past the mound, you're just sticking me out here because I can't do anything. And so I can't screw up your little, you know, fantasy of, of running a baseball, you know, you, you, you wanted to make it pro, but you weren't good enough. So now you're like living out your fantasy through teaching kids how to play baseball. I'm sorry if that's offensive, if, if there's any uh, baseball coaches here. They're but, just trying um, to make you feel better until they go give you the pizza and ice cream after the game. You know, That's all I cared about. Yeah, I, right. Honestly, I didn't give a shit. Half the time, I would stand in the outfield with my glove just on the ground, just kind of like playing with grass and stuff. I didn't care. Whenever I played outfield, most of the time I was shortstop, which was terrible. I couldn't catch pop flies. I was like, I was an awful baseball player. And and again, I was a kid. If I ever played outfield, inevitable, I would get a sweat bee in my glove. And my parents would see me like slinging my glove off because a bee. (laughs) A sweat bee? Yeah, it was just like, I mean, that's what we called him. It was just like this little tiny smaller than oh yeah, yeah. And it like just, a horse fly kind of thing no no it was like a i'll find it and share it but <laughs> i would get stung by a bug and i hated baseball it was just not for i me. i dude i hate baseball with burning passion of a billion suns i i just <laughs> the best the last... analogy for baseball i ever heard was it's watching grass grow with people in the way i the last mlb game we went to was like three years ago tilly's work took us all to a uh, braves game uh-huh. And it was, it was cool. Like, I get it. You know, it was fun. We had a good time. But le- legitimately, Tilly and I were just sitting in the stands talking. We're like, when the hell are they going to start this goddamn game? We're, we've been here for an hour. We're sitting here. And I looked at the scoreboard. I was like, oh, we're at the bottom of the second inning already. They started oh like an hour ago. And we legit, I'm not making that up. We had no idea that they'd even started the game. <sighs> so. There you go. I found this. There you go. Sweat B. Post it up in the. Oh, oh God, that looks awful. Yeah, they're little though. So I hate bugs, man. Well, on that note, how's that for inside baseball? <laughs> Talking about sweat bees and, and how much we hate sports. Getting ice cream in a baseball. Did you ever hat. do the thing where you'd get the? Um, we used to call them suicides, where you just go to the, you'd run up and get a drink cup and go to the soda fountain, and just like hit <laughs> every <laughs> single <laughs> thing. 
It's like Diet Coke and Mr. Pib and Gatorade and Sprite oh. all in one cup. Oh, yeah. yeah. I loved it, dude. I, I did that a few times because that's what everyone else was doing. And then I'd yeah. take a drink and be like, this is awful. Why this am I bad. subjecting myself to this? I just, I just want I, the I orange it. drink. I want the orange. It was just pure sugar. It was, it was, it was, you know, fine. <laughs> Great. All right. We got to uh, stop this. All right. Goodbye. <laughs>